Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Napalm smells best in the evening. It's not worth believing what you heard. When Martin Scorsese was shooting the film The Color of Money, he was handed an early proof of the book Wise Guy by Nicholas Pileggi. Scorsese had sworn off making another mob film after Mean Streets, but when he read it, he immediately called the book's subject Henry Hill and said, I've been waiting for this book my entire life. To which Hill replied, I've been waiting for this call my entire life. And that's how Goodfellas began. And how this podcast just began. My name's Matt Gorley, and this is I Was There Too. It's the show where I talk to people who are present in the great scenes of cinema history. And now let's connect last episode's guest to this episode's guest. The bus passengers to Keanu Reeves and Speed. Keanu Reeves to Al Pacino in Devil's Advocate. Al Pacino to Robert De Niro in Heat. Robert De Niro in Heat is something we all would like to see. And Robert De Niro in Heat to Johnny Williams in Goodfellas. That one was pretty tight. He plays Johnny Roast Beef, the guy that buys the new pink Cadillac for his girlfriend after the Lufthansa heist and De Niro lays into him. Goodfellas was a huge hit, although the studio was very nervous about its release. It had extreme violence and something like 296 F-bombs in it. And when they tested the movie for audience, it had the lowest score in the studio's history. But they somehow released the film unaltered, and it was a huge hit. It cemented Martin Scorsese as one of America's greatest filmmakers and movie studios as the dumbest people in the world. If you get a chance, check out the first episode of The Canon with Amy Nicholson and Devin Faraci, their first episode, a kind of sister podcast episode to this. It's about Goodfellas and whether or not it should be inducted into the canon of great films. But more importantly, you seriously might want to get yourself a good meatball hero sandwich or a bowl of pasta. Because we ease into this interview. Johnny Williams is a wonderful guy, and he used to own a deli, so we talk about food a lot up front and at the end. And just listening to him say it, my mouth was watering, and I want to get a meatball sandwich right now. Do yourself a favor. Pull over to a fine mom-and-pop deli. Get yourself some eggplant parmesan, and sit back and relax. Johnny Williams talking about Goodfellas. The film. Goodfellas, the year 1990, the role, Johnny Roast Beef, the actor, Johnny Williams. 
Well, I'm here with Johnny Williams, who is uh, recognizable from many different things. The Mask, Leaving Las Vegas. Uh, we're here to talk to him today about Goodfellas, where you played Johnny Roast Beef, correct? Right. What is the origin of Johnny Roast Beef? It's actually my real nickname. Really? And how did that come about? Um, well, you know, the type of movie Goodfellas <laughs> uh, is and was at the time, uh, Marty being Marty Scorsese being from Little Italy uh -huh. um, and knowing the subject matter very well growing up in it he knows a lot of guys have nicknames so when he decided to use me in the movie um, he had asked me he says uh, you have a nickname you know you're from East Harlem uh -huh. Italian you know I says well yeah they call me roast beef he says roast beef <laughs> I says yeah he says I, you know I own a deli and in the neighborhood, you know, wow. So he loved it, and he changed the character's name to Johnny Roast Beef, which it's great, but <laughs> on the other hand, people say Roast Beef. I, I think I know them. You know, I met so many people. They uh, recognize being in this you, and they call and, you and, Roast and Beef. And it's just from the movie. So uh -huh. he, he, there's a little bit of a dichotomy going on there. You know, I, oh, oh, yeah, hello, you know, and then. That's you know. fantastic. So let's go back. So you. Owned a deli, and that was in Harlem, East Harlem. Yeah, I had my first deli was in uh, was in New York City in uh, in, in East Harlem. Uh, it was a, a place that uh, I was born two doors down from the deli, You're kidding. and it was closed for about eight to ten years, but uh, still Italian family owned. They know me since before I was born. They know my family. And uh, what happened was I got this brilliant idea in 1979 to go back to the neighborhood when everyone was leaving. Uh -huh. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you were the first to gentrify that place. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't want to call it gentrification. <laughs> believe me. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very uh, ethnic when it comes to that. Uh, I love the old neighborhood when it was all Italian. Uh, but basically, I, I, I kind of went against the trend. Uh -huh. And I paid for it daily because, you know, economically it was a very bad time, 79, 80, 81. That was really the beginning of, of, of crack, uh -huh. and that took over the neighborhood really seriously. Wow. But um, eventually it panned out. There was a lot of construction started, and, 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 and I got off the ground. Uh, thank God. You, you, know. you wore, it, wore it out. You saw through it. Huh? Uh, yeah, I saw through it. I, I, I'm kind of like uh, stubborn when it comes to certain things. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't want to fail. In What's the deli called? Johnny's Superheroes. Whoa! Uh, you had to see. You had to see. It was unbelievable. The uh, the emblem, the, the the trademark I had was uh, like a guy almost like Superman with the outfit, the tights, uh -huh. and in the center instead of the S, I had J S H, <laughs> and I had him carrying his arms extended over his head, a six foot. Italian hero, oh which we call heroes in New York. Yeah, Over yeah, here sure. to call them subs and whatever. Right. And you know, and that was my that was my label, uh, my trademark. Do you I have mean, any pictures of that? Because we can post it on the I, website. My, my daughter sent me a picture, believe it or not, of a, a shirt because I had shirts made up, uh -huh. and 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 a, a shirt. She says, "Dad, this thing is so delicate." <laughs> what is it? Thirty years old, you uh -huh. know, uh, 25, twenty-five, you know. But um, yeah, well, I, I, you know, I had aspirations of of multiple stores uh, at the time, but uh, it, it didn't pan out. Uh, you know, I, I, I ended up uh, selling it, and then I went to, on to another location, which was by CBS um, on Fifty Seventh Street, uh -huh. 
Mm-hmm. And then I had partners there, and, and it was a situation where it was better for me to leave. I, I was only 25% um, because I wanted to pursue my my acting, uh-huh. uh, being that I got Goodfellas, State of Grace, um, <clears throat> really basically one after another. Yeah. Um, I, I just worked all the time and w- did Law and Order. I did the shows in New York. So I, I said, you know what, if I'm going to really pursue acting as a profession, I have to go where it's at. And L.A. was where it's at. So in 91, I came here. But before we go into the acting, was there a specialty uh, sub at Johnny's? Well, we had uh, an Italian uh, sandwich that was, I mean, I used to get my bread made in the Bronx. And and, uh, yeah, I had a great bakery and I had that real uh, light, crispy, crusty Italian bread. In New York, you get, you know, I mean. I'm starving right now. So yeah, this is a and I here. made an Italian sub with uh, fried eggplant cold, roasted peppers, tomatoes, provolone, gabagool. Is this your own Prosciutto. Yeah, I put a whole bunch of Italian, oh. mortadella, Italian cold cuts together. Oh. And then, you know, oil, uh, olive oil and vinegar on the bread. And uh, the the roasted peppers and the eggplant actually brought out everything in that sandwich. And they, they loved it. Does this exist only now in your own personal kitchen? And yeah. <laughs> my question is, how do I get one of these? Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm at that point where, you know, people ask me to do it again, but I, it's so much work. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's a great idea. I mean, you know, I have... I don't want to say, but people go to certain corporate places and call it a sandwich. And believe me, there isn't one redeemable quality about it. <laughs> then they say, well, we bake our own bread. Yeah, it needs one thing, that bread, a garbage can. <laughs> I'll say it. We're talking about Subway. You said it. I said it. I didn't. Look, we're not sponsored by them. We can take them to task. Yeah. How yeah, dare they? Yeah. So speaking of food, you were, uh, well, at least food and libation, you were a regular staple at Rayo's Bar in East Harlem, right? Yeah. Well, they're like, you know, it was where I was born. It's like family. And I've been going down down to uh, Rayo's since uh, the early 70s, like 72 and you were telling me how long Rayo's has been around. Oh, uh, 1896, uh, they opened, and it's been the same family for many, many years. It's a staple in the neighborhood. It's one of the last remnants of what East Harlem in its heyday was. I mean, in the, in, in the 1950 census, East Harlem had the most uh, American citizens of Italian descent than any place. Really? In the world, outside of Italy, yes, and and a lot of people don't know because they always talk about Little Italy downtown, uh-huh. but being that Little Italy geographically is such a small area, and it was really by the seaport, and that's why uh, the immigrants of 1900 settled there. When they got to the point where they had these families and they, they, they moved uptown yeah. for the bigger apartments, there was work because they were building the New York Central, they were building the uh, the subway uh, in New York, so there was a lot of work up there. And the Paisanos moved up there. So Reyes was significant also because this is where your Goodfellas connection comes from, if I'm Well, yeah, it was was funny because I went to an open call, Goodfellas, when I decided that all of a sudden I could, you know, this acting is a natural thing, whatever. When people used to come in my store and say, Johnny, we're not only here for the great sandwiches and the coffee, we're here for the show. And... You know, it never dawned on me uh, about entertainment and uh, 
you know, I, I never considered myself an artist. Creativity coming from making sandwiches right. in my hands. Um, but in retrospect, I understand now what, what what's going on. Well, this is another reason to slam Subway because they call themselves sandwich artists, and we're talking to a real sandwich artist yes, here. So that, that's true. You know, screw that's them. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, you have to have taste buds, <laughs> and basically, eighty percent of the American people evidently don't. <laughs> I mean. You know, if you want to go to Olive Garden and call it Italian food, fine. Yeah. You know, I wish them all the best in corporate, public traded stock company. Good for you. But you want to come into grandma's kitchen oh. and you want to sit at her table, which is not in the dining room, it's in the kitchen. Uh-huh. You understand? Dining room is for the, you know, the irony of it all is that with America being the great place that it is and people with the prosperity that they have, they have these commercial stoves, these great kitchens in their home, big dining areas, and they go out to eat. Uh, They're never in their kitchen cooking. (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) So you ended up at an open call for Goodfellas. Is that what you're about to say? Yeah, I I was down 57th Street. Ellen Lewis, uh, yeah, I went, uh, it was open call, so you didn't have to have a resume, which I didn't have. Um, I didn't even have a picture, by the way. <laughs> and uh, Ellen liked me um, because of my, the, way I, the way I speak, yeah. my tempo. I'm New York all the way. <laughs> so she, she called me back. And meanwhile, a couple of days after... I went and meet with her on 57th Street. I'm in Rayo's at the bar, and Nick Pelleggi calls me. He says, Johnny, I'm coming down tonight with uh, Scorsese. I want him to meet you. Oh, I wow. says, all right, Nick, I'm, I'm here. You know, I mean, I lived up the street. Yeah. So um, when uh, Nick Pelleggi comes in with uh, Marty, Ellen Lewis is with him. And Ellen Lewis says, Johnny. You know, she remembered me. Oh, yeah. so this wasn't a, a setup for you to meet Marty? This was just more No, no, no. It was just, okay. you know, make sure you're in the bar because gotcha. Marty's coming down. Gotcha. And Ellen Lewis would have, and I had just read maybe two, three days before, and Ellen remembered me. She sure. said, she goes, Johnny, what are you doing here? It was almost like she thought it was a setup. <laughs> and I says, uh, Ellen, I live up the street. What are you doing here? <laughs> Because isn't Rayo's famous for having something like eight tables, which seven of which are yeah. always reserved, and you're lucky to get that one? The whole place is reserved. Yeah. yeah. The whole place is reserved. Okay. So he got, evidently, Nick Nick got a favor from someone who has a table I see. there every wow. week. So I, I met him there, and, and it was funny because he cast... He cast quite a few characters out of the bar. Sure. And my my friend Peter Chicali, who's passed away since then, uh, my friend Michael Contessa uh-huh. uh, uh, was cast, and these were not actors at all, you know. And uh, he he uh, Marty called me f- to read, and um, you know I thought it was a big mistake. I said, <laughs> you know, I said, to him, uh, you know, I was all that was a great audition. Uh, it's 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 one I'll never forget because. If you really want to say you screwed up royally, I, I mean, but I was myself, and I and that's what really got me a part in that great film was just being me. What makes you say you screwed up royally? Oh, I was pissed. I was pissed because <laughs> the the actor that was reading with me, first of all, Marty, you know, he segued me into this whole thing by asking about the neighborhood and where I'm from and then the, the 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 nickname and the whole bit came in and I'm I'm just having a conversation and then he this actor comes and sits at the table I don't even take 
notice of it that's anything yeah. anything out of the ordinary. And what happens is he starts reading the scene, and everyone read the scene. If you uh, if you remember uh, with um, Paulie, uh, uh, Paulie and Henry, uh-huh. they're talking about the bar. You know, uh, 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 not Henry, uh, uh, Paulie and the uh, Tony Darrow character. Um, oh, the, talking about the Bamboo Lounge. The Bamboo Lounge. Yes. He says, you know, there's Tommy. He's this. He's that. Right. What and, am I you know, and do? then and then Ray Liotta, Henry is behind him. Yes. And Paulie's listening to him. He said, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I can't, can't. So everybody read that scene. Okay. And which part were you reading? Uh, the Tony Darrow okay. part, uh, reading the scene. And they, everybody read that scene. I everybody see. read that part. Okay. And, um, and this guy's reading the Paul Savino role, uh-huh. but he's reading it by looking at his shoes, reading the script. So once I realized, oh, we got uh, this is the time we have to do this, I'm trying to answer him, and I'm trying to actually look into his eyes. And you're not getting anything No, back. I'm seeing the top of his head. <laughs> And then I got pissed, and I said, hey, listen, forget it. I waste your time. I talk to real guys, and they look at me, and this guy's looking at his feet. And, you know, and so Marty loved it. He and loved what did the guy do? Was he? No, he didn't do anything. He... I, I get, maybe he was instructed to, yeah, to do that. But Marty, he, Marty he went it. crazy. He uh... was laughing. He was like, he, he, and I didn't know. I didn't know. I just really thought I screwed the whole thing up. And I said, you know, maybe this is not for me. I'll go back to making my eggplant parmesan heroes. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, you know, I left kind of like, you know what, you know, and I was a little, be honest with you, I was a little intimidated. Not that I fear anything because I really don't, but because t- when I saw some of the guys that were up there, sure. I, they were recognizable faces to me who, you know, I turn on the TV or I go to a movie and they're in it. And then here I am, I'm, making provolone and salami sandwiches, you know, it was kind of like a very strange uh, atmosphere for me to be in. And, you know, I said, oh, man, you know, I don't want to make an ass out of myself, you know. I was going to ask you about that, especially when you met Scorsese at Rayo's. What kind of nerves were present at the time? I mean, you, oh no, no. Th- remember, Rayo's, Rayo's is my backyard. Right, okay, I'm at the bar. I He's know on your I'm, turf. I, I know. I I know. I'm there. This is like we were down there every night <laughs> having a few drinks with all my friends, and I'm, you know, I, I should was talk very, to him. He was probably nervous. Yeah, I was comfortable. Oh yeah, he yeah. he met some real guys too when really? he was down there. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. boy, those are stories. That was a great night. Time. It was a great night. <laughs> now. Your scene, your significant scene in Goodfellas happens to be one of my favorite. And I think you do a tremendous job. I feel like in acting, the hardest thing to do is when someone else is speaking to convey something concrete. And you have this look of being chastened by De Niro that makes me feel for you in such a – I mean, your, your character is a deplorable character. He's probably a murderer. He's certainly a thief. Yeah. And I'm sitting there feeling such empathy for you. What was what was that scene like? We'll talk about De Niro and Pesci and Scorsese a little bit later, yeah. but just that scene. Well, well, the thing is, you know, when um, Marty called me into the trailer one on one, he he he, uh, he sat there, you know, just talking. He says, "John, he says, look, he says, I know you're a tough guy. He says because I know where you're from. He says, but I need you here to really, really." Um, express a little bit of intimidation and fear. And you know that uh, Jimmy has killed a lot of people. And you know that you're a little bit worried about what's going on when he gets his anger up. He says, 
That's it. I says, that's it. He says, yeah. So, what happened was when when I uh, when I, I met Robert De Niro. Was it know, on the day, or did you meet him on before? that day? Okay, yeah. I was a little bit. Um, I was telling Marty, "Where is he? This guy. I have to do this with him. I, what if he don't like me?" I'm, <laughs> I'm now the nerves are setting in. Yeah, You're not now, at no, well, now it's yeah. setting in because yeah. I mean, this is it, you know. And uh, he says, "Johnny, don't worry. He'll like you. Just you know, don't worry." So when De Niro comes on the set now, and he, he introduces himself, so uh, with you know, we're kind of getting to know one another, you know. And he goes, "So what?" Uh, let me ask you something. What are you, a cop? Cop? Who's a cop? I says, I'm a baloney cutter. I'm not a cop. Who told, I'm a, he says, a what? I says, I'm a baloney cutter. You got a problem with that? You know, I, I tell, you know. So he went, no, 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 no. So, so Marty says, deli, deli, the deli, you know. <laughs> You know, something to that extent in the background. But meanwhile, we're just chatting because they're getting the lights set up. I mean, you know, you know how a set is. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I don't. I'm in the middle of all of this chaos. I have no idea what's going on. I'll be honest with you, none. Sure, but I love that you you say baloney cutter, and if he doesn't immediately think you work in a deli, that sounds like some euphemism for either like you're a murderer or some kind of lurid sexual thing. <laughs> He's probably yeah. going, "What the hell does that mean?" Hilarious. Okay, yeah. Continue. Yeah. So he says. Uh, I says, um, can, I, can I call you Bobby? He says, yeah, of course. He says, of course. He says, oh. I says, I says you know, I, says, I can't believe this. This is, this is fantastic. I said, but uh, I said, you know, <clears throat> I did something I have to tell you, you know. He says, well, what is it? I said, oh, I don't, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm just lingering this thing out and I'm going, I I really have to tell you, and I'm 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 lowering my volume. I I have to tell you, and 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 De Niro was so funny because he can't hear me, and he's getting closer <laughs> and closer, and I'm I'm setting him up without realizing I'm setting him up because he's getting like he's like very close. I said, "Listen, Bobby, only in the movies." Could you ever yell at me like this? Because remember something, I'm a lot tougher than you. And he looked at me, and I'm straight faced, straight now. Bah! He, st <laughs> he starts laughing. He yells at Marty. Marty, this guy got me. He got me. Cause I, and from that point on, we we were we were great. We were great because he he was so generous with what he did with me in the scene. You know, him yelling at me over and over. And, of course, the editing by Thelma Schumacher. I mean, come on. You, you know. What, the, all the ingredients. I mean, you said something before, which I thank you for the compliment. That's one of your, your favorite, one of the favorite scenes of yours in the movie. But that's Thelma's doing. She brought out the best, huh. you know, because, believe me, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> you cannot tell. The other thing I love about that scene is uh, we'll talk about how much you guys improvised, how much was scripted, but – it seems to go through two cycles where he scolds you, he scolds you, he scolds you, and it seems to die down and everything m might be okay and he turns away and you still sneak in this, this is my wife's name. And he just turns around <laughs> and you've, you've raised his ire again and I, I want to scream, Johnny Roast Beef, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, see, um, 
Bobby tells me, he says, um, I, I need you to do me a favor. So now here I am. I'm, I'm going to do him a favor. I said, right. well, what do you need, money? You know. <laughs> he says, uh, somewhere along the line, I want you to tell me not to get excited. Oh. So I says, okay, that's it? He says, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't. So, and another, another. So most of it was improvised then. The, I love that car. It was kind of like, that's something guys say yeah. in the neighborhood. Um, but. Uh, uh, something that uh, being there for Annie McGee, who plays Mrs. Johnny Rosebeef, uh-huh. she was great. She I was loved so her. Great. But she had no scripted dialogue. Okay, <laughs> but I love so that I'm yeah. I gave it a line. I told her. I says, "Listen, I said, Franny, you, you, you're standing there with them big boobs sticking out." <laughs> I says. You got to help me out here. She says, "What do you want me to do?" I says, yeah, "Tell this De Niro you love the car." She says, "Not only, not only we'll, we'll, we'll get you to say something, but we'll also see if he's a, as good an actor as they say he is." <laughs> she says, "But what about Marty?" I says, "What about Marty? If he likes it, he keeps it. If he tells you shut your mouth, you shut your mouth. I mean, take a shot." She says, "Really?" I says, "Yeah, yeah." So in the middle of the, in the middle of, the, of of it all, she comes in and she says, "But I love that car." And De Niro doesn't skip a beat. He says, honey, you know, and, and he, he just stops over in her tracks and he gets back. And it, I, I think, it, personally, it made the scene even better that that she got involved in there trying to protect me. <laughs> she must love you for getting her in uh, line. No, so no, the funny thing is that she, she, she went on to do stand-up comedy and she's imitating me, I hear, I, I, <laughs> uh, on the set of doing all of this. Uh, and uh, she had called her agent and said, I got a line in the movie. And he had, she's great, Marty gave you a line. She says, no, Johnny gave me a line. She says, who's Johnny? <laughs> really funny. One thing I love about this too is, okay, so you come in, the door opens and you see this beautiful pink Coupe de Ville. But it's still got the invoice on it, yeah. and I'm curious about. It's just just Johnny roast beef. It has to show everybody how much the car cost. Because also, not to skip ahead, but in your death scene, the invoice is still on there, and it's yeah. stained with blood. The details in this are well, amazing. Marty, Marty, I knew exactly. Uh, neighborhood thing with the the invoice. Neighborhood thing. Just got to yeah, show what you yeah, paid. Yeah, yeah, you know. Remember, we these guys. Most of these guys were. Really, from poverty backgrounds, you know, yeah. living. They're proud of their accomplishments. Yeah, so yeah. you know, you, you get out and you don't know how to handle money. That that's the thing. Uh, the immigrant um, experience in America, once they get successful, they don't really. They're gaudy. Some of them, they don't know how to handle money. Interesting. I mean, they get these big, big mansions, and they got plastic on the on the living room furniture yeah. and the dining room furniture. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's ridiculous because it's really uh, ignorance. It's They don't know how to handle money. Whereas you get, you know, the Kennedys and, and you get the, the, the DuPonts and yeah. the You know, they're, they're born into wealth. Uh-huh. Now, was this scene was on location, right? Where did you guys shoot Yeah, it was this? shot um, in Queens, mostly um, – in the borough of Queens, uh, the the bar was uh, right off of Richmond, Richmond Hill, uh, Liberty Avenue, the L, that area of Queens. Do and, you know if it's uh, still there? Yeah, and uh, then uh, the dead scene under that trestle, I think that's Maspit area. Uh, there's that Italian restaurant. I think that's restaurant still there, Sorrento's. Uh, huh. And how long was that first scene? How many takes did you do of that? Oh, the, the actually first day of the shoot was our death scene. 
Oh, you're ca- kidding. In the catalog. The first day of the, the whole film shoot? The first day of the whole film shoot. And, and, and I'll tell you why that's, that was instrumental in, in my career is there was somebody from the Daily News there, and they had no one to shoot except Franny and myself oh my in a car with the kids, the kids yeah. finding the car. Yeah. So we were the only actors. I mean, c- c- come on. You know what so I mean? You got a movie with, knows, a movie with Paul Savino, Ray Liotta, <laughs> Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci. And then it is all these great actors. And then the first day you got Johnny Williams and Franny McGee. Who? You know, who? who? <laughs> but the, the funny thing was that 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 scene was so real, so realistic. The way they had it in the New York Daily News, they had the picture of Franny and myself in the car with the blood. You know, it's an iconic and, 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 shot. And this is black and white at that time, oh, black wow. and white. So my aunt thought they killed me. They she thought I somebody shot me in a car. She calls my mother. This is unbelievable. She calls my mother, and she's crying on the phone. What happened to Johnny? You're kidding me. And she goes, what? What happened? She says, he's in the paper. What paper? She says, no, he's doing a movie. Doing a movie? He's an actor now? You know, like, she says, yeah, he's doing a movie. And so they actually had on page six, they had There I Am with Franny. And, and it's, it's incredible. And then it, is it a hit? Is it, and, and then is it, no, it's a new movie that. They started. Oh my god! And so it put me kind of on the map in the sense that you know I'm in the paper. I'm in page six, so um, I'm in my deli. Meanwhile, I don't know I'm on page six. Six o'clock in the morning, I get a call from one of my one of my friends from the old neighborhood, and uh, he told, "Hey, John, hey, you know, John, hey, you're in the paper. You come good." I says, "What? <laughs> yeah, you're in the paper. You come good." So I go get, and there I am. And that was it. I mean, that you know, that, that kind of you know, everybody at that time read the Daily sure, News. Yeah. Forget about internet at that time. <laughs> it was all the news. So, the first day of the shoot, there I am. So, a lot of kind of things happened uh, to me and for me personally that took a lot of luck. Where uh, you know, actors that go to Juilliard and the, uh, uh, have great talent. If they don't get, I mean, who gets a shot like this? Yeah, you know, no so I, I got all of that happened in a way that it's almost like, you know, the hand of whoever says, it's your turn. Thank That's you. Wonderful. That's funny. There's a bit of an eerie coincidence to what you just told me because in doing my research, I found this newspaper article and it says, couple shot dead in Goodfellas style execution in car outside New York Cemetery. And they liken the whole hit to your scene, your yeah, death scene. Amazing. And yeah, it's pretty eerie. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about Pesci and uh, De Niro and Scorsese and your part in Goodfellas. We're back with Johnny Williams. He played Johnny Rose Beef in Goodfellas. Now, I wanted to ask you why you think De Niro thought you were a cop. Was that just his way of breaking your balls or what? Oh, well, maybe, you know, my, uh, he never saw me before. That, yeah. That's one. <laughs> and number two, the way I, I kind of handled myself on a set, you know, I got a little 
swagger about me, some confidence, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so that might have, uh, and, and I'm a New York guy, and he saw that. Uh-huh. So I don't, I don't know how he came up with that assessment, or maybe he was told, you know, we hired a, a real cop to do a part, and, and he got confused with me. Uh, interesting. You know, because I think Marty did talk to him about me, uh, that I got a deli guy, you know. There is a real cop in the movie, the guy that eventually turns Henry Hill played himself mm-hmm. the real guy and it's funny too because the the segment where you buy the car for your wife is loosely based on a, a real thing with one of the Lufthansa heist guys Angelo yes. Seppi and I was listening to that very cop who's in the movie or fed talk about it and he said that he, that Angelo Seppi had a Thunderbird and um they bugged his Thunderbird, and the only thing they ever heard was the heater going, disco playing, and uh, like arguments with his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. He never got yeah. anything out of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to that death scene. That was the first day of the shoot. What kind of was it? Intensive makeup that you had to go yeah, through? Yeah, it was because uh, uh, the makeup artist says, Johnny, uh, how many holes should I give you? Seriously, you got to choose? I says, uh, just give me two. I'm, I'm, I'm not that tough. So, well, Franny chose a few more, didn't she? Yeah, Franny. Franny was great, and uh, it was funny because uh, uh, while they were doing, I mean, even the hands they they made our hands kind of like uh, slight purplish blue, oh, like you would yeah. lose your blood. I mean, they didn't you didn't get to see it, but you know they were really detailed. Um, and uh, while they were doing it, I'd say it was a good over an hour to do all of that. And uh, so I look behind me in the mirror in the makeup trailer and I see this hair on a dummy. And I says, what the hell is that? They says, oh, that's Joe Pesci's hair. I says, Joe Pesci's oh, hair. Yeah. yeah, he's got a wig, make him look younger. And all. So I says, wow. So what happens is later on in the afternoon, as they're doing the makeup, Pesci shows up because he has to work on scenes later on in the afternoon. And he opens the... Uh, makeup door, and I know I knew Joe from the Bronx uh-huh. from before, and he goes, "Hey, Bo's beef, you look like crap, you know, because I got this makeup on." I go, "Yeah, Joe, but at least they do my hair; it's on my head." <laughs> yeah, and he pissed. He was pissed. Yeah, he doesn't seem like the yeah, type to was, take a joke. Nah, he's a good guy. I mean, he's a great guy. He slams the door. You know, I only say that because the most iconic uh, scene in this film is him not taking a joke. Um, so how long did you have to lie there dead for the day? Well, they set the, um, the shot up. Um, the, uh, camera moves slowly from the, uh, grill of the Cadillac, which would be the eye, uh, eye line of the kids that discovered a car there. So, you know, they had to set up the tracks. They had a, you know, uh, they had, a, they had a set up the movement of the camera to start out in the front of the Cadillac, catching the whole grill, the plate and all, 254 yip. Yeah. I don't forget that. Is that is there any significance to that, or is that just random? Well, I played that number for <laughs> <laughs> How did it do for you? <laughs> nah. <laughs> anyway, it, it, so the camera comes up and then over, over the grill onto the front hood, the massive hood of the Caddy, and then you catch the glimpse of... My character with the and then it swivels to the blood to Franny's character and then the blood on the bill on the uh, the invoice the invoice yeah. right and all the while 
look at what Marty lays over it. Layla. Yeah. I mean, unforgettable. Uh-huh. It, it kind of makes the impression perfect music for a perfect scene. Well, that's where my questions are all leading. Did you at the time have any idea that this was your scene right there is going to kick off maybe one of the most famous film montages in history? No idea. Because <laughs> I also read that he occasionally would play bars of Lalo while he was shooting some of these shots to make sure they lined up, but he wasn't doing that that day on the set. No, I, I don't know what he was doing. Oh. All I know is that Franny had a hard time sitting still in the car because yeah, she had to go to the there? bathroom. And I said, Franny, <laughs> just stay still because if you move around, we're going to be here longer. And if you don't stay still and act dead, I will kill you. <laughs> It was funny. I, I wonder sometimes if it's the harder acting is sitting still when you yeah, it lay dead. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. But I, you know, I'll go to sleep in heartbeat, you know, because yeah. my daughter even said, Dad, you were, Dad, you were sleeping, you know, <laughs> and she knows, you know. So, uh, yes, yeah, Franny had, she had to go to the bathroom and, you know, being that everything was set up there, she couldn't get out of the car. Do you remember about how many times you had to do the take on that? Oh, I, I, a number of times. Yeah, uh, plenty. You know, did you have any uh, scenes that didn't make the film? No. No? That's no. nice. Everything was there. That and a thousand. Yeah, everything yeah. was there, 100%. When the film, you rap and then the film comes out, did you get to go to any kind of screening or premiere? I went to the first screening um, in the Time Warner and Rockefeller Center, and it was on uh, a third of the size screen, and I hated it. What? I hated it. Why? I didn't get it. I just didn't get it. Just didn't get it. Because were you expecting something more in the tone of a Godfather or something, or what? What about? I don't it? know what I was expecting, but I, I says, oh, you know, I I just didn't get it. And then um, what happened was when I I, I went to the um, premiere on Third Avenue. Um, I took my mother, Mister Solo. Oh. Took her. She had a good time. Um, wow, on that big screen, it was just so different. I mean, the impact was was there. And um, the, when it came out, oh, you know, I'm on the screen for what? Maybe two minutes, but it was yeah, very, very recognizable and very uh, almost a, a calling card to a, a new career. I'm sure. I mean, that's what it was. What, did the uh, deli become a bit of a destination for people to see Johnny Roast Beef? Yeah, well, I was out. I got out of the deli. <laughs> oh, at that point. <laughs> I got out of the deli because— And that's about the time that you came to L.A., right? After that? Uh, yeah, about a, about a year later. But the thing is, uh, the thing about the deli was that, you know, what was I going to do? I was going to be a partner or I was going to be— an actor. And uh, tell us a little bit about what you're working on now, if there's any projects you want to... Well, now I'm, I'm, I'm in development of a movie that I wrote. I wrote a script called Who Killed Jimmy Gumdrops? So I'm in development uh, with that. And I did a, a TV show, a sitcom that I wrote uh, called uh, Mama and Son. And it's loosely based on a place like Rayo's. It's been there a long time. And Mama is my mother, and she gave me the restaurant. And son is my daughter, who is the product of a divorce, and he's old school, and she's graduated college, She's and she comes to work with her father in the restaurant, and we find out that she had a broken heart in college. It's on YouTube. Uh, if we just search Mama and Son. It'll yeah, M-A-M-A-A-N-D-S-O-N dot com, and you got a two-minute trailer. One last question. 
Have you been to the Rayos that they opened in L.A.? Yes, I, I'm there quite a bit. How's I, it hold up? I'm there a couple of nights a week, and they, they have a gravy night on Sunday, which is great because it's the the macaroni. We oh. call it macaroni, but the pasta with the meatballs, the brajol, the sausage, salad, like you would have on a Sunday afternoon. We know that from the old neighborhood and from being Italian, uh, Italian-American. This was traditional. The, you know, the macaroni is Sunday, you know. You went to church in the morning, you got the buns, and then the, your grandmother's cooking the meatballs, you know. You know. Listen, I don't have an Italian drop of blood in me, but I always feel like my tongue is split Half Italian taste buds and half Mexican taste buds. Yeah, it's my yeah. favorite food. So. Yeah, it's, I know, well, Italian food, if it's done right, it, you know, it's just got to watch the amounts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wise words. Johnny, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been great to hear your stories. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, the good Lord knows I love the movie Goodfellas, so we're not even going to stop there. We're going to continue with more just delicious Goodfellas information in a segment called... I was really there, too. Now, this may actually be a segment that I repeat again, because any movie based on true events changes it for artistic license. And this one gets a lot of things right, but the differences that are there are significant. So just to recap the basics of this film, if you haven't seen it in a while... It's based on a book called Wise Guy by Nicholas Pileggi, based on the mobster Henry Hill, who in the film is played by Ray Liotta. It's the story of Henry Hill's life amongst the gangsters and becoming part of Paul Vario's crew, along with his friend Tommy. So the real people are Henry Hill, whose name is the same, Tommy Simone, the Joe Pesci character, and this can get a little confusing, but Paul Vario is the real man played by Paul Sorvino, but as the character Pauly Cicero. So now that we've got that straight, here are some interesting elements that actually happen. In the film, when Henry goes away to jail like he did in real life, his wife Karen actually had an affair with Paul Vario, Polly Cicero, played by Polly Sorvino. Except it's Paul Sorvino. Listen, who cares? Also, the real Tommy tried to have sex with Karen when he was in jail and she refused. Then he tried to rape her. When Paul Vario found out, he told the Gambinos, the real crime family, that Tommy Simone had killed two other made men. But Paul himself had actually okayed that, he just wanted Tommy dead. And dead is what happened. In 2007, Henry Hill confirmed that not only was Tommy killed by the Gambinos, it was actually John Gotti, the Teflon Don, who did the deed. It was always assumed it was payback for Billy Bats, like the film, but it really wasn't. It was Paul getting revenge for Tommy trying to have his way with Karen. Okay, stay with me. So in the movie, Tommy has a closed casket because, as they say, he was shot in the face and he didn't want his mother to see him like that, but the truth is Tommy's body was nowhere to be found and to this day has still never been found. The real Tommy D. Simone, unlike the movie, was seven years younger than Henry Hill and was actually a tall, burly thug. He was killed at the age of 28. Now, back to Paul Vario, who in the movie is portrayed as this um, avuncular, sweet, benevolent gangster, but he was actually known to have lots of violent outbursts. In fact, he once took a 13-year-old Henry Hill with him to a barmaid's house that he was having an affair with. That barmaid told Paul's wife that this affair was going on, and so he beat her with a baseball bat and broke her collarbone. Nice fella. And lastly, the character of Spider, who in the film is shot by Tommy at the poker table because he's basically just a low-level mob associate serving boy and decides to speak up to Tommy, wasn't actually the real story. Allegedly, Tommy was very envious of the real Spider, Michael Gianco, because he thought he was more likely to be made before he was, so he killed him. You know, as you do. 
But there is an interesting story. When they were shooting the film of Goodfellas, Michael Imperioli, who was the actor portraying Spider, was rigged up with blood pack squibs. Love them. And when they all ignited and he was doing his death scene in the movie, he fell down and the glass he was holding broke in his hand and cut him pretty badly. So he was rushed to the hospital. And when he was brought into the emergency room, the doctors thought that he had been riddled with bullets in a gangland murder. They were trying to work on his chest and see what the situation was there. And he kept saying, it's my hand, it's my hand. And then they realized that and made him wait three hours. And these have been some actual facts from the real characters and events. Not just facts fun facts. Ah, we're having a good time. As far back as I remembered, I always wanted to be a podcaster. Now, let's get back to the podcast just so it can end. I was really there too. That's it for today's I Was There Too. Leave a review on iTunes. I'd love to thank Helen Harlan, who set me up with the great Johnny Williams from Goodfellas. Thank you, Helen. And if you know of somebody that is perfect for this show and this system is starting to work, please email me at IWasThere2Pod at gmail.com. Thank you for your ears. Wolf Pop is part of Midroll Media, executive produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Gorley, and Paul Shear. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.